Hi everyone, and welcome back to Exploring Education. In this episode, I'm documenting my trial at encouraging more learner agency in my high school journalism course. Planning for this project happened to fall shortly after I delivered lessons on free speech and the role of a free press for my journalism students. And this year in particular, I happen to have a population in that class who are really interested in social justice and they're informed and involved politically. My need to plan for allowing more learner agency ties in perfectly with their interest in writing something that's more meaningful than an article about our school's football team. So I couldn't stop thinking about them when I was reading about how learner agency goes beyond just choice on an assignment or goes beyond picking their own topics. According to Barbara Bray's Learning Path to Advocacy and Innovation, allowing students input in their assignments is only the second level of student choice. At level three, students become advocates. They are, quote, empowered to use their voice. They identify challenges to to research and to address, end quote. This goes beyond their learning in the classroom. It shows them their future, how the skills that they learn in class will help them not only navigate, but to shape the world around them. And that's what I was going for with this project. This focus on shaping the world around them is echoed by Kathleen McClaskey. She expounds upon the relationship between voice and choice. According to McClaskey, she defines three levels of learner agencies. There's teacher-centered, learner-centered, and then learner-driven. She says that students understand that their voice can lead others, make change happen, and take responsibility for outcomes. So again, about how they can make change happen with this agency. So with that in mind, I thought about the units that I have planned to teach for my journalism students throughout the year, and I realized that a great place for this mindset of agency is within our unit on independent press. This unit is based on a combination of the Georgia Department of Education Standards for Excellence for Journalism, as well as the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics. For more details on the specific standards, you can see the attached unit plan. I knew I wanted students to engage in project-based learning for this experience. This ties in to a lot of the English department at my school, our current curriculum. And for this project, they would identify the topic that they think deserves more of a highlight, more emphasis, or a topic about which they have something to say. And then they would develop all of their writing around that topic. I decided that a genre of writing that would support their voice and support this emphasis on independence is the zine. A zine, like magazine without the MAGA, is an independently published DIY magazine, and they have a history out of like punk culture and various countercultures. They have long served as a way for marginalized communities to have a voice. And so I thought it was a great way to give my students a voice, and especially with their interest in social justice, that they would be really into the, the punk history of the zine. So obviously with this project, I decided on the product that students would be creating would be a zine. 
But what's great about a zine is that every zine out there is totally different. So it still let me emphasize independence and freedom in my students' writing. Um, I wanted to open them up to take more control over the project. So in doing so, I brought in examples of real published zines that I ordered from a zine distributor, which is called a distro. Um, and I wanted to show them the sheer variety of topics that zines might cover and encourage them to take risks in choosing their topics. So some of my students chose topics that are current and topical and controversial, like the Black Lives Matter movement or uh, human trafficking. And some students went with a topic that's really niche to their interests, like about a TV show that they really like. Um, students are required to print at least 10 copies of their zine, and those 10 copies are going to find real readers. So they can use the internet or our school or the wider, wider community surrounding us, or if they're feeling really brave, um, send their zine to an established distributor to share their work. On top of that, the media specialists at our school are going to be able to share their work on the online library, Sora. So that means that students have the freedom to pick any topic they want, you know, from their very niche interest to something bigger and potentially controversial. Um, but they have to think about the potential impact of their zine on the community surrounding them, whether positive or negative. And this is considered a core feature of learning agency in the core education blog, 10 Trends for 2014 Learner Agency. Um, similarly, in their study, Student Agency, Success, Failure, and Lessons Learned, researchers John Goodman and Nimet Eren warn that, quote, projects with high social impact are more dependent on external approval and therefore less in the hands of the student, end quote. In the case of this project, however, I believe there are really only benefits for encourage, encouraging them to take on one of these ambitious projects with um, a high social impact. Um, it doesn't take the work out of the student's hands at all. In fact, it's putting more into their hands because in this case, they're responsible for the work that they produce and they're responsible for the social, the social impact of that work. So when students chose their topics, I was aiming for a learner-centered environment design, according to the Kathleen McCloskey scale, quote, the teacher guides the learner and then gets out of the way as learners make choices in their learning, end quote. So that's what I tried to do. I gave them guidance on picking their topics and what a zine should look like, and then I stepped back. This was perfect to understanding their to, I'm sorry, to support their understanding of an independent press as well as supporting their agency. But for me, it was really hard. It was hard to let them write without editing with them along the way, without requiring them to turn in drafts and checking their work. I did recommend and allow for co-planning sessions whenever the students felt like they needed the support or if they had questions, but it was always initiated by them. And in general, our classroom ran on what we call Starbucks mode for the duration of the project. 
trying to replicate Larry Ferlazzo's environment in which, quote, students have ample time to look at exemplars, to ask questions, to do research, to reflect, and to develop and improve their work, end quote. Starbucks mode generally looks like this. When class starts, I open the decision to students on how they want to spend their time that day. Do we want to talk about our work? Do we just need time to plug in and write? Do you need any advice from me or your peers? After a brief check-in to see who needed what, Starbucks mode begins. This is a shorthand that I've used the last few years to describe a class environment in which students are working independently. I'll tell them, pretend you all came to a coffee shop to work on separate projects. You might chat quietly with those around you, or you might plug in your headphones and just focus on your work. You might get comfortable in your seat, or you get up and move around to grab supplies that you need to work. In a coffee shop, that's like getting more coffee or creamer, but in our case, more likely like sharpening your pencil or getting some scissors. You should feel comfortable doing so. I have found that students respond really well to this idea. I think many of them like the idea of being like a mature, like college student working in a coffee shop. There's that romantic idea of being in the coffee shop. And I've been known to adjust the lighting and music in my room to encourage that. But what I think is more important and overall, it's that they appreciate being reminded that the classroom and its resources belong to them as much as they belong to me. They are not guests in the classroom. They belong in the classroom. I want them to feel comfortable taking advantage of the resources available in my room without having to feel like they have to ask. So in the case of my zine project, the resources available ranged from like the example zines that I brought in or their peers or the laptop cart all the way to a makerspace that I put together for this project. Part of zine culture is the DIY nature of the finished product. Zines are usually just printed on a photocopier in someone's office, and they're they're meant to be kind of handmade. And so the art associated with a zine is trial and error or like literally cut and paste. And I wanted my students to feel encouraged to take risks with that as well. So I set up a small makerspace with any of the craft materials that I had, Sharpies and scissors and glue and scrapbook paper and washi tape. And I even bought some really cheap books for like 25 cents that they could rip pages out of and write on. Wanted them to experiment with the artwork um, and page design that would accompany their writing. 